1: We have seen the role of the wife, the role of the husband, what it means to be a parent, and what a godly marriage looks like. Now, If that is something that is just absent in your life, well, today's program is just for you. Abounding Grace is next. You know, it's real easy to pull out of our hats a, a series on a godly marriage and go to god's word and say see this is what it looks like fact of the matter is those marriages are few and far between these days fact is most of us are struggling with the strife that we find within our marriage it's far from perfect and if we're honest far from godly Well, today we have some encouragement for you as we close out our series, What is a Godly Marriage? in Psalm 42 and 63. There is hope yet. No need to be downcast in our souls. God is the God of this universe, and with Him all things are possible. For the details, here's Pastor Gary and today's broadcast of Abounding Grace.
2: You can think of yourself as a sincere Christian and not have it. But all true believers, to some greater or lesser degree, have the same experience as the deer pants after the mountain brook. Our hearts pant for God in the Lord Jesus Christ. We long to love Him more sincerely, deeply, and intensely. To fellowship and commune with Him more intimately. To be like Him in our own character and in our own behavior. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo in the late 4th and 5th centuries, said once in a prayer, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So I ask you, members of Reformed Heritage Church and those who may be guests with us here today, is the religion you profess one of the heart and the emotions, as well as the intellect? Or is it purely an icy, cold intellectualism, or a painless, convenient thing, or maybe even just a good luck charm, just in case you might need one? Have you ever personally experienced the panting of your heart for the living God like David describes it, If you are a real Christian, one who has been truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit and spiritually regenerated by Him, you surely know what I'm talking about. If you're not a real Christian, you will undoubtedly not be able to relate because David is not merely describing the simple nagging of a guilty conscience that condemns us when we sin. And constantly reminds us that we do not measure up to God's standards. For that is nothing more than the remnants of the law of God that we were subjects to before we committed cosmic treason against our maker. Notice the intensity of David's thirst for God. All of these powerful verbs. As the deer pants, my heart pants. My soul thirsts for the living God. In Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early or earnestly will I seek thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Verse 8, my soul followeth hard after thee. These are the words that explain the experience of the true believer of God in Christ. He thirsts for him. He hungers for him. And he pants for him. He follows hard after him. His flesh yearns for him. In fact, our craving for Christ is so intense that we must express it. Can't you see here the deep emotions that are feeling, filling David's soul? Thanks be to God that David didn't close up his heart to these things. Instead, he wrote about them. He couldn't hold back, beloved. He had to express them as the great songwriter that he was. His emotions were so intense that he couldn't keep them bottled up inside. He had to express them to God and to others. My soul yearns for my God. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said. The panting of a thirsty deer is something terrible to see. It appears to thirst all over. Every pore of its body is thirsting. It's not only its swollen tongue, its snorting nostrils, its glaring eyes, but the creature and every part in every hair thirst and pants. Unquote. On one hand, the thirsting soul can be a painful thing to observe. However, from a different perspective, it is a glorious occurrence to behold, for it is the very evidence of God at work in and amongst us. Like the wind of John in chapter 3, verse 8, the Holy Spirit of Almighty God moves us And our panting for God is like the rustling of leaves that have just been stirred by a gentle breeze. This thirst, this craving that the Christian heart has for the living God can oftentimes be unpleasant. It is usually full of anguish and pain and it does not rest until it is satisfied in the presence of God. That's the way true love is. Marital love has a hunger and a thirst to it. It has a craving. It has a a panting to it. The woman that a man loves and to whom he is married, he hungers for her love and attention, her emotional support. He, He craves it. She is the one he desires above anyone else. Turn, if you will, to the Song of Solomon. And here we'll see that this hungering and thirsting can be a painful thing, and I'm just going to read a couple of selected portions of the book. We'll begin with uh, chapter 1, and I'll read verses 1 through 4. The Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The bride is here speaking of her husband, and she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love thee. Draw me after you and let us run together. The king hath brought me into his chamber. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. You see here the hunger of the bride for her groom, uh, the church for Christ. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The groom is away, and the bride is missing him. And she says, By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I, I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets, and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him who my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me can feel something of the homesickness of this bride for her groom when he's not there. This is the hunger and thirst of love. This is the experience that every true believer has with God in Christ. He or she hungers for him, he thirsts for him, she pants for him as a deer pants for water when it is in a parched and dirty and and empty land. But more specifically, David thirsted for the living God in the ordinances of public worship at the tabernacle. He did not just generally say that his heart thirsted for God, although I'm sure it did. I want you to notice that he says this in the context of public worship because he was being excluded here from public worship at the tabernacle. And his heart was homesick for the one whom he would meet at that tabernacle. Notice in verse 42, David says in verse 1, And the heart panteth after the water brooks; so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the holy day. Look at Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. (coughs) O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. David is saying, I long, I crave, I hunger and thirst for God in his sanctuary in congregational worship. I've been in exile. I've not been allowed to participate in the congregational worship of God. And oh, how I long for those days. I long to be back in the house of God meeting with his people. Because it is in that context that my thirst is satisfied. And this hunger and craving is satisfied. In context of public worship in the sanctuary. J.A. Alexander had this to say in his commentary on Psalms. He said, debarred from public worship, David was heartsick. The enjoyment of communion with God was an urgent need of his soul. Not merely the sweetest of all luxuries, but the absolute necessity. He must have God or die of thirst His soul, his very self, his deepest life was thirsty for a sense of the divine presence. Give him his God. And he is as content as the poor deer which at length fills its thirst and is perfectly happy. But deny him his Lord and his heart heaves, his bosom palpitates, his whole frame is convulsed like one who gasps for breath or pants after long running. Everything in him longed to meet God again at the church, unquote. And if he met God, he was as happy as a little deer. But if he couldn't meet God at church, nothing in the world could make him happy. David pined, said Spurgeon, to enjoy enjoy again the means of grace He longed to go up to the tabernacle once again. He desired to see the old priest slaughtering the animals and offering the sacrifices on the altars, hearing the intercessions, hearing the prayers, hearing the songs. He longed himself to go to the altar of God. But notice, he doesn't dwell on these outward things as important as they were. He doesn't dwell on the altar there in the courtyard. He doesn't dwell on the sacrificial rituals of the priest. He passes through all of these things as splendorous as they were as the priest passing through the outer court into the Holy of Holies. He penetrates through the shell of all these ordinances because he wants the kernel. Those outward ordinances, as important as they were, pointed us to Christ and could not bring contentment to David. He must have the spiritual life and the spiritual essence to which they pointed him, unquote. He does not so much pine for the sacrifices as for God. Neither for the priest or the altar nor for the tabernacle does he cry, but for his God in these ordinances... The God whom you adore is only pleased when you and I press through all of these things and come into fellowship with Him and speak to Him as a spirit speaking to a spirit. That is what David longed for. That is what he craved. Neither his throne nor his home nor his country. Not even the outward means of grace by themselves alone, but he thirsted for his God. He panted for God alone, and this was his cry. When shall I come and appear before God in church? The great longing of David's heart while he was in exile was to be with his brothers and his sisters in covenant in the assembled congregation of the people of God. Oh, he could have worshipped alone. He could have prayed in the mountains or, or we on the golf course or watching video games or sitting at our computer. But it was congregational worship that he longed for. You know, I have to be honest and tell you that sometimes I'm disappointed when some of you give me reasons why you miss congregational worship or the session could express their concern with you but the issue is do you thirst for God in congregational worship enough that you are willing to make sacrifices to be here Nothing else is as important as gathering with God's people as often as possible to meet with God together as a covenant family of believers. Because you should have a hunger and a thirst and a panting of a heart that only meeting God in public worship can fill. And if you do not have that craving... Our concerns, Stephen and mine, will mean nothing to you. They will just be one more voice nagging at you, trying to get you to do something you don't really want to do. David said, I cry day and night because I can't go to church David said, my flesh hurts and yearns as in a dry and weary land where there is no water because I can't go to church, because I can't sing the hymns with the people of God. I can't give my offerings with the people of God. I can't pray with the people of God. I can't confess my faith with the people of God. I cannot hear the preaching of the Word of God and the reading of the Word of God with God's people. And so my flesh hurts. And my heart is like that of a dying deer agonized by thirst that can only be satisfied one way in public worship. Because it is only in the singing, the praying, the giving, the swearing, the confessing, and the submission to the Word of God that I meet Him and my soul's hunger for God is satisfied. So I ask you, do you have a hungry heart? Are there other things you crave in life more than you crave meeting God right here at church? Are there other things in your life that you will make sacrifices in order to attain or achieve some goal? But have you ever made a sacrifice of your time, your health, your energy and money to meet God in His sanctuary because your soul pants For the living God in his ordinances and corporate worship. David loved the ordinance of God. He loved everything God commanded him to do whenever God's people gathered to worship. And he missed those things. But please understand, beloved, he was not content with just those outward marks. It wasn't enough for him to come to church just to sing and enjoy it. It wasn't enough for him to come to church so that he could pray and enjoy it. It wasn't enough to come to church and hear the Word of God and enjoy it. God's external ordinances that he has commanded are important. But David's heart did not just pant for God in these things. He loved the ordinance of God. But what his heart longed for was the God of the ordinances. So when he sang, he wanted to hear the voice of Christ singing with him. When he prayed, he wanted the consciousness of being heard before the throne of grace. When he heard the reading and the preaching of God's word, he wanted to hear it by the work of the Holy Spirit effectually spoken to his heart. He wanted a consciousness of God's presence and fellowship with him. He wanted reassurance that God loved him and that nothing could ever separate him from that love. He loved the God whom his soul longed for and that his soul found when he sang and he prayed and listened to sound preaching at church. You see, David understood the promises of God. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 24, we read these words. The Lord speaks and he says, You shall make an altar of earth for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings in every place where I cause my name to be remembered, where I have revealed myself, where I have commanded you to come and worship me by these means. And I will come to you and bless you. Now that's the promise. If you come to church in faith, God says, I will bless you. I'll come to you and I will bless you. You might be out there thinking, I can stay at home and worship God just as effectively as there. Really? Listen to Psalm 87, verse 2. The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. The Lord loves the gates of Zion, the gates of the temple where congregational worship took place. And he loved those gates more than all the other dwelling places in Jacob. You who are believers, God loves your dwelling place. God loves your home. God loves it when you worship Him privately and individually. God loves it when you have family worship. But God loves it even more when you meet as a congregation for Sabbath worship. Some of you may be out there silently asking the question, Gary, are you saying I've got to go to church to be a good Christian? Well, beloved, if you have to ask the question, It shows you do not have a hungry heart. If you ask the question, do I have to go to church? Or if you miss church for anything that comes along, you are displaying a heart that is not hungry to meet God on the day He has set aside for congregational worship. A person with a hungry heart doesn't ask that question. Instead, he cries... He says, I lay awake and I cry. I love the roads that get me to church. I can hardly wait, not just to see my dear friends, and not just because I love to sing. It's because I'm going to meet God there. And my heart yearns for God. So when you sing, sing by faith. Sing as if you are hungry for God. God says, I'll come to you in that singing. When you pray, you pray in faith. Hunger for God. God says, I'll come to you while you're praying. When you put your offering in the plate, do it by faith. Hunger for God, for God says, I'll come to you while you're giving your offering. When you listen to the reading and the teachings of the Word of God, do so by faith with a hungry heart. And God says, I'll come to you while my word is being read and while my word is being preached. When you come to the Lord's table, come with a hungry heart. God says, I'll be with you at my table and I will fellowship with you. I'll satisfy that thirst. That thirst that nothing else in the world can satisfy. I'll quench it for you.
1: Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, the Ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607, that's our phone number, 408-866-5607, or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for Post Mailbox, number 402. 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless.